All right, so we're focusing on relax in December 2019 to finish up the year because it's a busy year. Uh, busy end of year stuff with uh, family holidays such as Thanksgiving and Christmas. And a lot of people's stress levels uh, get up pretty high around this time. All right. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> I do too. We've both read some interesting books um, and found some interesting information online and stuff. Um, realizing just how much technology has um, become a, a genie that can't go back in the bottle. Right. Mm -hmm. We can't put this genie back in the bottle. So we've got to understand how to live with it. And we know that a lot of this technology is like junk food for the brain, mm -hmm. right? And has a lot of similarities to when junk food originally uh, came out is that, I mean, a lot of people liked the food. It was kind of, it was tasty, addicting. And then it was our own, we had, we have to, and we're still struggling with it now as a society. And I do myself, we got to find a way to, even though that this stuff, uh, we're drawn to it. We have to have some willpower. So we have to have, we've been having to develop some uh, tools and techniques and to have good willpower to not eat this garbage. And the same thing holds true with technology, right? So yeah. um, Maureen is actually a, a great person on this one here because what do you teach? I teach a technology course. You teach a technology course? I do. I teach a technology course at Endicott College for pre-service teachers. So it's all about how to use technology in the classroom. Um, so I've kind of been thrust into this idea of what's the most beneficial way um, to use technology. Yep. So I've done a lot of, or I've had to do a lot of reading over the last couple of years um, just to kind of get a sense of the most impactful way that is educationally benefit beneficial for students. But in, in doing so, I think we've learned a lot about yeah. how much technology impacts our lives, how much it impacts our stress levels. A lot of our views have changed over the years. They have, um, they really have. And we're constantly looking into it. One, because we've got the kids and they're growing up. I mean, they are, what, what do you call them, the digital native? Digital natives. They, they are the digital natives yeah. where they truly do not have, they're, they're never going to experience a life like we had when uh, we grew up having to knock on friends' doors and, um, hope that someone would invite us over the house or like have to build social relationships in person. <clears throat> Their uh, socializing is all going to be um, online. Well, but I think that's the point. It doesn't have to be. And I think yeah. that's something that we've really tried to, we found so much value in our own childhoods from being able to be out in the neighborhood yep. and just, you can show up at some kid's house. And I think we're trying to, cultivate that type of environment for our kids in our neighborhood and yep. our neighbors are very receptive to that. Our neighbors um, are and that's very valuable. We've gotten out there. Yeah and the that's the thing is at the end of or we're going to start this video off by going over just the um, the world in which we live in now with technology mm -hmm. comparatively a little bit to the way that it was. Some stuff isn't going to be able to change um, because of the world we live in now. And then at the end, we're gonna give um, a list of probably like 10 uh, to 15 little uh, tips as to how you can try to manage um, this new technological world in a healthier way. Um, and our either struggles with these tips mm -hmm. or the ones that have really worked for us, okay? So. <clears throat> I think that was one of the most um, beneficial things that we read. Remember we read the book Ir um, Irresistible? Yes. To Adam. Irresistible was awesome. And he really talks about how it's just, it's not 
feasible or practical to think about the fact that you would be able to abstain. Like in this case, abstinence is not the answer for technology no. because you- It can't be. It needs to be part of your life in some regard. It mm -hmm. needs to be, you know, from my perspective, it needs to be part of um, the whole picture of education, but it's all about that balance. And I think that's what we're gonna try to yep. establish today. So really to um, build the foundation here is that technology came out as a, I mean, really the technology and the internet came out as a means to communicate in, what was it, uh, after, it, it was for a potential nuclear war, right? And if they were ever, if there was ever nuclear war, we needed to make sure that we could communicate without the ways that we had communicated in the past. Oh, I didn't know that. You didn't know that? No. So that's Was that one of the books we read. Yeah. So the, the satellites are up there, so we can actually yeah. share communication yeah. to each other without the previous, um, like the essentially the uh, what's it called, like the uh, the way in which the antiquated way in that which we had before, okay. right? Because of like if all of our telephone wires were down or yeah. anything like that, we still need to be able to communicate. So we need to be able to communicate through uh, quickly that way. Um, that's where the internet came from. Yeah, so the internet came from there. And then we realized that on the internet, a lot of these businesses realized that we're no longer in this, I bring this up to patients a lot, like we are no longer in this world where businesses compete with other businesses based off of how good their service is, how good their products are, how many hours they're open. You see a lot of places open up <clears throat> nine, to, nine to five, and then all of a sudden someone shows up down the street well, if they're open nine to five, I'm going to be open nine to seven, right? Because yeah. I'm going to be there more. I'm going to do better. And now we've really gone into this internet world where everything's 24-7. So the biggest commodity for businesses, especially that live online, is attention, right? So attention is the number one commodity that businesses try to attract. And in that book, Irresistible, we end up seeing that these businesses are putting big time funds backing them in order to get rid of things to keep us engaged. I mean, if you are selling advertisements, mm -hmm. you want to be able to show the potential ad, your advertising client, you, you got to be able to say, I've got Maureen here. She spends this number of, uh, this number of hours with her eye, eyeballs glued to my website. If her eyeballs are glued to that website, my website, then she's going to see your ad this number of times. But if your engagement, right, that's the attention is they call it engagement. If your engagement is lower, then you're less valuable to those potential advertisers, right? Mm -hmm. So there is, in Irresistibly talks about the amount of money that um, companies like Facebook have put into their mobile app. And if you ever notice how quickly the bottomless feed of, the, mm -hmm. of your uh, news feed goes, I mean, that bottomlessness is there for a reason and it's a, they've eliminated what's called stopping cues. Stopping cues are things that, um, if you remember apps back in the day, you'd scroll down and you'd get that little circle or that little kind of like, like the hourglass circle thing and it would show you that it was loading. That thing comes up and I'd immediately think of going to another app or starting to do yeah. something different. The fact that those aren't there anymore makes me like that bottomless bowl of chips at a party or something that you just sit before. there and yes. just devour the chips yeah so that those stopping cues they're actually they actually put research into developing ways and a ton of money 
forget about making the app look fancier, forget about giving um, um, stuff to the uh, people that use it that would benefit them. They want stopping cues so that people will engage with it more, mm -hmm. right? You read that part in that, right? I did, yeah. yes. Um, but I've read a lot of books, I can't always keep them. Always keep track of it. <laughs> I can't keep them all straight. So the other thing that was always fascinating was when he, in Irresistible, how he talked about how Netflix, right, Netflix considers its largest competitors as YouTube, um, Facebook, and Human Sleep. So mm -hmm. those three top competitors. So you've got YouTube, which is a video platform, right? Um, you've got Facebook, which is a social media company, which, I mean, they do have video, but it's a completely different business than Netflix. And then you've got Human Sleep, which is us actually sleeping. So what do all those three have in common? Maddie's down here. What's up, Maddie? Hey, Siri. Turn on kids' bedtime. Technology at its finest. Cool. <laughs> kids' bedtime. So we're using it for the right reasons, I think, right? Yeah. I'm so exhausted today. All right. So. YouTube. YouTube. Okay. Video platform. Different than Netflix. Okay. Because you don't pay anything. It's free. You've got Facebook. Different than Netflix. You don't pay anything. It's free. And it's not even a, a primarily a video um, platform company. And then you've got Human Sleep. And what do all these have in common? Is they fight for eyeballs, right? Mm -hmm. So. Human sleep, our eyeballs are actually closed, so we can't be watching Netflix, right? Then we've got Facebook, so human eyeballs go to their newsfeed as opposed to Netflix. And then YouTube, people watch their videos and advertise, uh, advertisements as opposed to Netflix, right? So all of those are major competitors for them. And I think the point he makes in the book, because now it's coming back to me, in Netflix is they do, these companies do all this research and Netflix researched and did surveys and I don't remember mm -hmm. exactly logistically but to figure out the exact amount of time they needed mm -hmm. before you get that. That dopamine hit? No, not the dopamine hit, that next episode. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. as soon as the screen turns white and you hear that you know, signature thing. Netflix sound, yep. you're in and you're ready for the next hit. Yeah, like I can't even get the, like when we watch something in bed, like I'm yeah. scrambling for the remote now when the episode ends because I want to turn it off. I want to say it's like seven seconds. Yeah, I can't even get yeah. to the remote fast enough now. I'm like, oh my God, I'm like get, trying to get there to shut it off so I can go to bed because I know that once the episode starts, I'm going to be that much more inclined to maybe like, hey, you know what, let's keep it on yeah. while we go to sleep or let's watch a little bit of it. We're pretty good about not going to sleep with the TV on, but, but it, it kind of right? draws you in. Yeah, because it's that bright white screen too. Yep. Like the usually the episodes will fade into the black, and then as soon as it clicks to the next one, it's like, bam, so white screen in your face. It really is like the main thing that we're trying to push um, along to you guys is that all of these things, when it comes to technology companies, especially the big ones, the Google, the Facebook, Netflix, Apple, like all of these big companies. I mean, they're. They're, they're playing with us. in they're term, purposely tapping yes. into your psychology. They're tapping into the psychology big time. I mean, yeah. big, big time. They're putting a lot of psychology um, professionals behind a lot of these changes that are being done, right? And making yeah. sure that they implement them properly. All right, so what else you got to lay the foundation of technology um, in the world right now? You had said before about uh, parents of Silicon Valley, That's stuff like that. That's what I was that. just gonna say. Yeah. yeah, tell us about that. This Perhaps is fascinating. In, this has been in a couple of the books that I read, but I read um, 
but glow kids. Mm -hmm. And it's definitely sort of an extreme take on how detrimental high level or high use of technology can be. But he talks a lot um, in the book, just like in Irresistible, about how companies spend all this time researching, you know, how to keep your eyeballs glued to that app or that game or yep. that platform. Um, so much so that a lot of app developers and software engineers and all these big innovators out in Silicon Valley, like Steve Jobs, his kids, he wouldn't let them use technology. No, he wouldn't let um, them use it. Wouldn't let them use iPads. They all went to these like Montessori, very like nature-based, hands-on yep. schools where they didn't use any devices. Oh, that's crazy. So I think that's just, when I read that, I it really kind of resonated with me in terms of if the people who are making these resources mm -hmm. recognize how dangerous it is and they won't even let their own kids yeah. use them, then that really <clears throat> says something yep. about the power of these tools. Yeah, and they know it. I mean, they yeah. build it and they know. Not They're not going to advertise it, but. Yeah, not only do they build it, but they know the people that they are interacting with that are helping build this. Yeah. And they know they know the type of people they are. They know where their priorities are and they they know what it can do to us. Yeah. All right. All right. So, anything else with the uh, foundation before we get into these little tips? No, but I think the tips are really important. You know, there's a lot of Remember the other day I showed you that article about, you know, there's all these articles that I feel like want to blame the technology oh, yeah, yeah, make yeah. it you know there was one that came up that was really uh, the reason why we wanted to talk about this I know, today yeah it was sort of the catalyst for this what was the name of the article because the name of the article the article was a little different but the name of the article really um, stood out i would have to look at it but oh. um oh, i'll find it basically it, it wanted to present the the perspective that technology is the source or the reason why our kids are struggling and it's technology's fault but we were kind of talking over breakfast the other day that it's really sort of an unfair argument to make because it's not the actual tool's fault obviously but it's it's the use case of the tool yeah like how it's being used how it's being promoted um and sense. yeah middle school misfortunes then and now one teacher's take yep um and really just about, it's our responsibility to make sure that we're using it in purposeful and intentional ways. And I think the problem that we've gotten into, and I talk about this in my class a lot, is that technology comes at us so fast and furious, and especially mm -hmm. when it was first coming out, and it was new and it was exciting and could do all these things that we never really took the time to learn about the sort of consequences of it mm -hmm. or to think about, well, what value is this really adding to my life? And we're just sort of using it haphazardly, yeah. but we really have to kind of take the time to educate ourselves, take the time to think about how these different tools impact our lives in positive and negative ways. Well, it's really going to be like, I mean, technology moves so quickly now that if you have a, if your parents like we are, and we don't put our time in now to learn yeah. how to use these technologies in a healthy way, our kids are going to have no shot, right? Because I mean, our kids are the first generation of people that 
probably know more about this technology than they, they have. They're going to have more time to grow up with this technology, yeah. know how to utilize it than us. And they, we don't have the, unless we put in the effort and learn, we didn't have the experience growing up in this environment that they're going to have. So yeah. we've really got to put some time in. It's kind of, I, I, with you saying that, I think about like when the, uh, uh, like the supermarkets and the food, like if you go back to our food month and uh, listen to some of the um, videos we have there, we talk about how this new food was a surprise to us and everyone loved it and we ate it and no one put in, no one did, I mean, rarely yeah. did people really know what, what they were putting into themselves. All they knew was that supposedly it was good. And then now all of a sudden we've got a world in where, especially in America, like uh, chronic disease is skyrocketing. A lot of us have parents or grandparents that have some chronic disease, a lot of um, degenerative conditions, and you're seeing your parents really wearing down in ways that it's tough to see. And I wouldn't be surprised if down the road, I mean, we're looking at something similar in terms of it impacting our mental health. Yeah. And our kids are looking at us like, oh man, I really wish that mom and dad really understood how to use these tools appropriately and use these in a healthy manner um, as opposed to just kind of being taken advantage of by yeah. being the newcomers. Well, and like you said, mental health issues are on the rise, anxiety, depression. I mean, those numbers are skyrocketing and I think we've recognized that we really have to be models for them. Yeah, big time. I mean, right here, I've got the statistics right here. It says that... Um, whether directly or indirectly via domino effects, stress-related issues now account for 75 to 90% of doctors' visits um, per year. Um, and that, let's see, an average person interrupts their focus to check their email 15 times a day. Average person interrupts their focus to check their phone 46 times a day. Um, adults' IQ was tested during multitasking and it actually, sh so like checking on your phone or doing even doing something else, and it says the results showed a 15-point drop um, performing the task while multitasking as opposed to focusing on it, which puts you at the IQ of an eight-year-old child, right? So, wow. yeah, or the equivalent of not sleeping for a night. Yeah. Right, and that's just with multitasking. All right, so, all right, we've been going for a little bit, so let's just get into this. Um, thanks for sticking along so far, and let's get into this uh, Mute the Digital World. So this comes from the book, I really like Dr. Chatterjee right here. Um, he um, wrote um, How to Make Disease Disappear, The Stress Solution, Four Steps to Reset Your Mind, Body, Relationships, and Purpose. He's got a podcast called uh, Feel Better, Live More, comes out every Wednesday. We like listening to that. I haven't listened to it recently, but I want to get back into it. Yeah. And where is he from? Do you know exactly where he's from? He's, yeah, he's from London. He's a London doctor, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. And um, he had, a, what is it, a BBC show, Doctor in the House? Yes. Where he'd go into um, people's houses and see how they lived so that he could help them make change as opposed to telling them in the doctor's office how to make change and then the person go home try to do it on their own. All right, so, mute your digital world. We've got um, some tips here. We've got, have a non-tech lunch hour. Are you good at having the technology away during lunch? Because I feel like when I eat lunch, I have a no technology while I work, and when I come home for lunch, I usually prefer to like catch my news and get on my phone then. Yeah. Well, I usually eat my lunch in the car, so. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of have to. <laughs> That's typically a no-no when, 
when we get the food month with patients, but that's okay. <laughs> oh, well, I'll just cut that part out. <laughs> All right. No. <laughs> no, but I do. I think I've tried to make a conscious effort, especially, um, I shouldn't say that. If I go out and I get something to eat, like I went out today to get a coffee or something and I was waiting for them to make it and I tried to really make a point to just yeah, it's hard, sit there huh? or I leave my phone in the car a lot now yeah. too. Just, it's hard, but you got to do it. Yeah. It'll be okay. I mean, back in the day before like, we had phones. What are you phones, really missing? What I don't know. Are you really, you really feel like you're missing, but you know. Nothing. I mean, we lived so long and I was way more popular back in the day before I had a phone. More people wanted to talk to me. I wanted to talk to more people. Yeah. Yeah, and I didn't have a phone, and I think everything turned out fine. I would say so. All right, so declare email bankruptcy. All right, so this one is essentially you've got so many emails in your inbox that you just say, screw it, and you just archive them all or delete them all. And if someone is that valuable and needs you that bad, then they'll email you again once that bankruptcy. Wow. But it helps reduce a lot of the stress. That uh, he says um, he heard it from um, author and podcaster Tim Ferriss. You've heard of Tim Ferriss, oh, right? Yeah. Five minute. The f yeah. Um, what? Five minute Friday. Five minute Friday. Yep. So like he says if you've reached critical mass of unreplied emails, declare bankruptcy on them, trash the lot, and start again. I like that. Cool, right? I've actually used um, quarantining emails, so I have multiple email accounts. Um, and I think he mentions this in a second, but I have multiple email accounts. I've got a work one and a personal one and I have different apps on my phone. There's tons of different apps for different things on the phone, right? So on my iPhone, I've got a Gmail one, I've got Spark and I used to sit there and, oh, which, which email client am I going to use? Which one is the best? And then all of a sudden I'm like, you know what, let's put one in work and one in, uh, for personal. And then. I have to get to the work one when I get to it. I've got it in a little folder, so I don't check it as much. Yep. Yep. All right. So next one, schedule a fear. Uh, schedule a fear of missing out hour. It says here, give yourself one hour or two daily half hours to look at social media so it doesn't become the default thing you do whenever you're not doing something else. So managing, essentially managing the habit to look at mm -hmm. your uh, social media channel. So I don't really look at my social media channels all that much. Um, do you? And what do you do to stop looking at them? I do and I find I do it when I'm doing something mundane, like sitting in the carpool line to yep. look at the boys. It's like, so I try to start to make sure I always have a book in my car, a book yep. in my bag, um, so that I have something else to do because more often than not, I'm sitting there and I'm scrolling and there's nothing beneficial to look at. No, and I turn off my phone realizing it was a complete waste of time. Yep. And something that I've actually, that I like, um, is I've got, I'll get a book on Kindle, but they'll also offer you the, um, whisper sync mm -hmm. version, which is the audible version, the audiobook version for a discounted price when you do that. And it is a little more for the entire, like the suite of books, but I can read that on my Kindle if I want. I can then hop in my car and I can listen to it. And then when I stop, like when I'm waiting for the kids, I can pull the book up at the exact spot that it ended at and just pick up reading right from there. So I'm always, I'm always like, it's not like, I, like you said, you got a book. It's not like I have the book at home and then I um, may forget it and then all of yeah. a sudden I can't read, right? So it's with me. 
But that's a good example of like really purposeful uses of technology. Oh yeah. Like it's increasing your efficiency and yep. productivity and. And I don't know if it's going to be a. Um, we're probably going to cover a couple of these other tips as we go, but uh, dedicated devices is mm -hmm. a big thing. We really like dedicated devices. So. For example, the Nintendo Switch. The Nintendo Switch is just a video game console. I think they may have added Netflix on it, but it doesn't have many options. It may have YouTube, but essentially it just plays video games, right? And then the Kindle, just read on it. What you find is that when you have your phone, even if I'm reading on my phone, even though I was saying I was doing a good job just reading on it, I do have the ability to read a line in there, see someone's name and be like, who's that guy? And then all of yeah. a sudden I hop onto Safari or the internet browser and I'm looking up this person. Having dedicated devices is very, very valuable. Yeah. Yep. All right, so batch your emails. Find a set daily time to look at them between 2 to p 3 p.m. Can work well. Um, oh, do you know why? Why? Because that's something that Daniel Pink talks about when he talks about sort of the... Um, yeah, he says often a circadian lull at this time. Yeah. That so explain that to me. I forget. I'm not going to be able to pull the terms up, but he talks about sort of like the, the, the ebbs and flows of your days. And it's all in his book, When, um, that the beginning of the day is really good for like deep thinking and mm -hmm. analytical tasks. Um, but then by the afternoon, you're sort of in this really low rhythm and that's where you should be doing your sort of um, your tasks that require a lot less thinking, like checking your emails or okay. responding to emails. And then the end of the day, it's not quite as high as the beginning, but that's like the ideal time for like creative tasks. Yeah. Whatever that might look like in your. Cool. Sorry, good one. I got excited. So, I had a yeah. connection there. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> I kind of do that already because I have really established a nice system at the office where like I walk in there, like I'll be on my phone or technology maybe at home when I walk in at 8 30 the phone goes away my um, Apple watch I have has no notifications other than like an alert from you if you were to try to get in touch with me I, I can see mm -hmm. those but I don't look at my phone or anything and then when I get out from my midday break I'll look at everything yeah and I'll get out at the end of the day I look at everything but I've really tried hard to quarantine those times and it's really yeah. worked well fortunately I have Emily who is really, I mean, you contact, how often do you contact her? Like Maureen will actually contact Emily now instead of me because I have quarantined it so well. Yeah, like if I need to know if you're gonna be home for dinner. Yeah, so specific times, <laughs> yeah, she just texts Emily. <laughs> I do, that's yeah. why I text her about tonight. But, but I think knowing that and sort of, not that you have to go read the book when, but sort of knowing that rhythm of your day mm -hmm. can help you make sure that you're using technology in the most purposeful way that you're going to sort of maximize it. I see. Depending on that time of day. So it's best to look at it at that time because that yeah. it's better to, yeah, it's more efficient at that time. All right. We've got intermittent fasting for your phone. Um, just like the diet or intermittent fasting is big these days of eating a certain amount of food and then taking a certain period of time without, mm -hmm. the, without eating helps your digestive system. Same idea with the, with the phone or technology. You sit there, put the phone, turn off the Wi-Fi, turn off the cellular, turn, put it into airplane mode or something, and it's you just disconnected from, um, just disconnected the phone essentially, um, and that's it's so valuable. But yet everyone's so afraid to do it. Nothing's gonna happen. Nothing's gonna happen. And if it does, I mean, it had happened before, 
there are crazy things that have happened before yeah. we had notifications all the time. All right, mute, mute. what's that? I was gonna say something, but. What you got? I think it also connects back to your other article about the culture of safetyism. Yeah. We have this preconceived notion that we're living in these very dangerous times and we need to be available and connected to everybody all the time, but yep. research has proven that it's actually a more physically safe world and that the really dangerous world that we're living in is this digital world. Yeah. So it's a real, you know, I mean, the fact economy that, there. The fact that crazy stuff happened in the world and the very dangerous things happened in the world, in the United States. And we ended up finding, finding out somehow, not by when prior to us having phones, just shows us how yeah. little we really need to be in need of them to alert us all the time. All right, so mute Facebook Messenger groups and WhatsApp groups. So, um, uh, it or the ones that are stressing you. So, groups are tough. I'm not in any group chats. I went on a. Um, a little uh, getaway to Newport, Rhode Island a couple months ago and I was in a group chat then. I have no other group chats I'm in. And it was me and some of my college roommates and five of us were getting together uh, to go to Newport. And in this group chat, I mean, it's like going ding, 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 yeah. ding, ding, ding. Ridiculous. I, so I, I left it. I, <laughs> I say, just said, you do what done. my brother does. Yeah. Sean Hannon has left the conversation. Yeah, I just leave. I, I don't have any time for that. That's ridiculous. The fact that I'm getting alerted yeah. that frequently. Oh my goodness. I mean, give me an alert at the end of the day to kind of check in on it, but no way. I don't want that that many number of notifications coming in. It is. It's a lot. It's all nonsense from them anyways. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Turn off automatic syncing and notifications. Um, many of your phone apps such as email will automatically sync. Okay. So that every time you pick up your phone to make a call, you'll also see how many new emails you have come through. Okay. So this is essentially the, um, dedicated devicing, right? Mm -hmm. So turn off the automatic syncing, meaning that like have a device to uh, you check your emails on, have a device. Like, I mean, if you have a computer and you have a phone or maybe you have an iPad, what, what, why, why have your email on all of them? Why not make your iPad the email reader? Yeah. You know, why not make the computer the place that you manage your emails, right? Try to have some more dedicated devices um, in your life. But I think if you don't have multiple devices, mm -hmm. you can manage that through your notifications. And I don't know that everybody yep. always recognizes that, but like taking my email notifications off yeah. of my phone was huge because half the time it's nonsense. Yep. Except there's that like, no matter what, there's that draw when you see it or mm -hmm. hear it come up, you're like, oh, maybe it is important. Maybe it isn't. No, yep. it's really just... Somebody trying to sell me something again. Getting that good deal. Gotta get a good deal. You can't miss out. All right, so open dedicated email accounts is the next one. We touched on that. We we understand that, right? Just... Yeah, different purposes. Yep, different purposes. Put your phone completely out of sight in social situations. That one's a tough one for people. I, I practice a lot at work. I mean, I really have made a... There was a um, chiropractic group that I was part of in the past that really made a point to really drill in, drill in, drill in that while your patients are in the office, they deserve your utmost attention, mm -hmm. your utmost focus, and you should focus on them the entire time. So get everything else out of there. So my phone, while it is in my room, it is it is up on my shelf and I don't even check the thing when I'm in there treating patients or anything. Um, but you've got to apply that to life to a degree. 
especially when you're with your family and friends. Mm -hmm. I make a point. I had the phone out at dinner tonight, but have you noticed I make a point to put the phone, the phone never comes to the dinner table? Yeah, it shouldn't. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. <laughs> a lot of people, a lot of people probably bring their phone to the dinner probably. table. I, all you have to do is go out to a restaurant and you see me. That's true. That everybody's got their phone out. But that's something that at the beginning we were talking about modeling for the kids. Mm -hmm. That's a big one, right? Because if your phone's out there, what, what was it that you were reading that said, kids don't understand essentially how the phone works. All they know is that the parent is staring at the phone yeah. all the time. Remember that? What, what was it exactly? I don't remember exactly what I read it in, but it was the idea that that's how they envision what a, a connection is, yes. what a human connection is. So they, that when they get to a certain age, they feel like, well, if I want to have friends or I want to connect with people, then I need a phone in order to do that. Yep. Yeah, it was really fascinating to just kind of warp my perception on it and think like, okay, from a kid's perspective, I'm staring at this device. Yep. They don't get to see what's on the screen because it's very personalized. It's just right there in front of your, in front yep. of your face. So they don't know what's on the other side. And try this too. You can ask them what what they think you're doing on the phone all the time, what you're looking yeah. at. And I asked my guys after you had told me that, I'm like, okay, what am I doing? They're like, oh, you're talking to people. I'm like, okay, well, I, or I, I guess I'm talking to people. I go, what do you mean talking to people? Who do you think I talk to? They said, oh, you talk to Papa or you're talking to Uncle Drew. I don't text them much. I don't really <laughs> talk to them much. I work next door to them, live next door to them, so I'm able to talk to them. But just the fact that any time in the past that I've had my phone out in front of me that my kids think that I'm actually communicating with yeah. other humans, other people, um, really start, really startled me because I really try to uh, show them just how valuable human interaction is, yeah. physical interaction is with each other, holding doors open, looking people in the face um, when they talk to you, but yet they see me on my phone and if I'm on my phone a lot, that they think that that's great human interaction. Yeah. Right. And I think you just have to, we have to work to kind of demystify that for them and, yep. you know, kind of make, I know at night, like when they're reading, if I'm actually reading something on my phone, I try to make a point to say, yeah, I tell them I'm reading yeah. an article or, yeah. you know, so they don't think that I'm just sitting there. I mean, sometimes I am looking at recipes, yeah. but you know, yeah, but I mean, I always try to say I'm reading on my phone or I'm yeah. and that's another reason why we got more dedicated devices or even just physical books. We talk a lot about like, I, there's, a, there's one, I like to collect them, but two, I'll get physical books, even though I have electronic versions of them, just so I can model in front of them mm -hmm. that I'm reading a physical yeah. action of it. Because a lot of them, I mean, a lot of kids, I, I don't see why they would think that um, it's the same, right? Yeah. All right, so put your phone completely there. Say we get that. Take notes and keep a diary on paper. That one's tough. I've actually got a daily Stoic journal and a daily Stoic or a daily the daily Stoic book and a daily Stoic journal. Mm -hmm. And I would say to get a journal, it, and I try to journal, but there are months that I go that I don't journal. But then I'll get back into it. I, yeah. I really have tried to get into this habit of getting things that are going to be beneficial for my health having them there, having them around me, and I dabble in them at times, yeah. and I try to build these habits, and then I may not essentially fully uh, sink into this habit, but at least it's there, and then I'm able to kind of get into it when I need to. All right, so uh, take the news app off your phone, track the usage, 
a lot of them have screen time apps now, yeah. right? The iPhone does. You can um, actually essentially throttle your time on a particular app. You can set mm -hmm. yourself um, stop times and the app will actually shut down when you're using it. Um, challenge your, this one's cool and cute. I, I was um, thinking we should do this. Challenge your friend or partner to see who can use their phone the least. Oh, it's like the yeah, um, it's a, activity competitions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we used to do activity competitions. And this one, you at the end of the week, you look at your track, you look at your um, screen time on your um, on your phone, and whoever has the least numbers is the winner. I like that. Cool, right? We can do that. Yeah. And then this one, and we'll end with this, unless you got anything else. No. Nothing. All right. So we'll end it, end with this because we're going long again. I don't know why these podcasts, these videos <laughs> just go so long. Thanks for sticking in. But this one is the coolest. I never thought of this. All right. He says, if you have an iPhone. Switch the color to grayscale. Do you know what that is? Yeah, so everything's in sort of black Gray, and white. Yeah. yeah. And he says that the visual difference is striking huh. and that it doesn't draw you back to it as frequently as you would think. Really? Yes. Well, let's try that. And I gotta try that out. So again, if you have an iPhone, switch on grayscale. He says it turns your screen colors to black and white, which makes your phone a lot less desirable. The first time I did it, the amount of times I looked at my phone over the next few days was dramatically reduced. When I feel that my phone usage is starting to climb, I flip it into grayscale mode for a few days, which sounds awesome. Yeah. So I'm gonna give that one a shot. All right, you guys, we've got a lot of images uh, from in our gallery being added this month. I put a bunch together. Um, we've got them up in the office, obviously. We put them on the bottom of the Newman Experience page. You can click on gallery, see them all. Uh, so there's a bunch of great relaxed information out there for you. The uh, little tease for the article that we're writing this month is about touch. It's called De-Stress mm -hmm. with a Touch. And it goes into how we're supposed to be interacting physically with each other. What? Go. No, I just remembered the article that I wanted to tell you about that I read. It's connected to touch. Tell me. Go ahead. Okay. Keep All right. Okay. So the article was going to be about uh, touch and it's about it's called it's titled de-stress with the touch and um i really really liked it and about actual interaction and touch and it's great because i'm a chiropractor too so i'm all i'm always touching people which is is awesome and a lot of people don't have enough physical interaction with people these days right so um thanks for watching we'll be back next month check out our other videos that are coming out over the course of the month some um, pertaining to relax to help you out and uh, good luck making some healthy changes.